The return of in-person instruction for most K-12 school students is on the horizon, but as we saw with local universities, avoiding a COVID-19 outbreak is the hardest part. With the testing and tracing strategy in place, San Diego Unified plans to have some students come back mid-month, and depending on how well that goes, the plans for the rest of the student body will be laid out. Reopening plans vary district by district, but most are signaling that now is the time to get the ball rolling. For the San Diego Union Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Kristen Takeda, you cover education for the San Diego Union Tribune, and there's been lots of news when it comes to schools recently. Let's get some context out of the way first. Uh, San Diego County was allowed to reopen schools earlier than they're doing now. Why are most schools waiting until now to have concrete plans? A lot of them are really worried about, they, they want to avoid kind of sparking any surge in COVID if they were to reopen. And they're just overall being very cautious about how they, how quickly they reopen and making sure that they are able to implement all of the safety measures they have to and before reopening. So yeah, that's why it's been a few weeks since schools were technically allowed to reopen, but districts have been, a lot of districts have been taking a little longer to actually set a plan and a date or set a date. And there are, of course, different strategies that different districts are taking. Can you kind of give us an overview of the different ways the different districts are approaching this problem? Yeah, so a lot of districts are coming back in a hybrid learning format, which is, it could, it, and even within that, it can differ depending on how the school decides to do it. So some schools, some school districts are bringing back their students for in-person learning only two days a week or so, so like part of a week. Some of them are bringing them back for part of the day. So like an AM, PM cohort, kind of like how I used to be in kindergarten or I used to do kindergarten. Um, and then some are doing more days of in-person learning, either four or even five days a week. But um, it seems like more districts are going with the hybrid um, first because I think they want to um, phase it in more. They want to be more careful and cautious in general there. I'm going to see how that works first before expanding. Mm -hmm. And of course, the size of the district and how much money they have plays a big role. Can you describe some of the differences between the larger districts and the smaller districts in the county? Yeah, so um, when I was just looking at the list of districts and when they reopened or when they plan to reopen, it just kind of emerged as a trend that small, like most of the districts that have already reopened are smaller districts. And I've been talking to also a lot of private schools about why, um, like how they thought they were able to reopen first because private schools were among the first to reopen and were the um, first in line to reopen. But um, I think a lot of them said, you know, small size is really a benefit in reopening in this case, because um, if you have fewer schools to make plans for, if you have fewer uh teachers and students to plan for like it's just easier to make decisions more quickly and um it's just more manageable and doable and it's less daunting i think i think um like for san Diego unified for instance they have a hundred thousand students and um hundreds of schools so it's just it just takes a lot more it probably just takes a lot more time and planning to um in order to launch reopening um for such a big system, at, at least that's what a lot of uh, smaller schools will, will, will say. Mm -hmm. 
And the biggest outlier in the county are a lot of the districts in the South Bay. Can you explain why they don't plan to open this year? Yeah, a lot of South County school districts have been, are either staying closed longer or, um, yeah, there are a few districts, um, Sweetwater, South Bay, and San Ysidro that have committed to staying closed for the rest of this whole calendar year. So for the rest of 2020, which is um, the longest, some of the longest closure uh, commitments I've seen among school districts so far. And um, they're really doing that largely because South County has the high, like, has been really hard hit by the COVID compared to the rest of the county. Um, other parts of the county just haven't seen the nearly the number of cases that South County has. So um, I think that's causing them to be more cautious. But um, Chula Vista School District, for example, they're, they've set a tentative reopening date for October 26th. So it's, um, at least for Chula Vista, they're not, um, I guess, letting that um, delay reopening as as long as other districts are, but it's, yeah, so that, that's where it comes down to. It depends on what each district wants to do. Yeah. And of course, just the sheer amount of virus that is in a community makes it much harder, which, you know, North County hasn't had an outbreak anywhere near the magnitude of South County. So it is much easier to plan in a Escondido or a Vista compared to the districts that you mentioned. Yeah. And it's just overall less risk of spreading more exposure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So now uh, let's focus on San Diego Unified. Can you walk us through their plan about how some students will get to return to classrooms in the next two weeks? Yeah, so uh, we recently learned that um, starting October 13th, the district will, and yeah, that's the date that they recently announced, but um, they'll, be, they'll be bringing back small groups of students and uh, for their first phase of reopening. And the um, think about the, these support sessions is what they're calling it. Um, they're limited to very certain groups of students. They're only for students who have demonstrated that um, they are having learning loss or just are not, not meeting uh, standards academically. Or for students who have disabilities or special education plans who have high needs. So. Um, and those are all being decided by teachers and schools. So um, starting, uh, yeah, soon uh, teachers will be letting families know whether their children qualify for these sessions. And then, yeah, they're supposed to start on October 13th. So um, yeah, a lot of parents are anticipating that because that's the first time that San Diego Unified is bringing back any students for any kind of in-person interaction or learning. Mm-hmm. And what do you know about the strategy when it comes to students with special needs? Because in many cases, you know, they require, you know, being close proximity. Some may require a lot more touch than a regular student. How do you prevent a COVID-19 outbreak among that population? Um, I think that's something we would probably need to see more details about. Um, And it would depend a lot, depending on the student and Um, their own uh, specific needs. So um, yeah, that would be really interesting to see though, because um, a lot of, uh, for a number of students um, with special education, they really rely on, yeah, like what you like we were referring to, like touch or just really close um, personal interaction or being able to see people's faces and communicate and um, just being able to communicate more easily, but that will all be, 
made different or kind of stranger if you're adding masks and face shields and it just kind of I think I think those things could kind of get um, get in the way of communi uh, communicating with students like uh, like you would if there were no pandemic. So, and there are um, some exceptions um, to mask rules um, according to state guidelines. Um, if the student is unable to wear a mask, or um, if the teacher needs to, uh, if the teacher wants, they could use a um, just different, yeah, they, they don't have to wear a mask all the time if they really need to communicate with the student inside the classroom. But yeah, so there are like a few ex exceptions, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, we'll see how that plays out for special education. Yeah, and those uh, those large face shields uh, where you can see the whole face, you know, you can make something with that and like a neck gaiter so you still keep the, the droplets inside, but students that need to see kind of the full face can, you know, have that experience. Yeah, I think um, what people or what experts have told me is that that still has a risk of spreading coronavirus since it's aerosol based or it can travel via aerosols. But yeah, the whole um, if you're using just a face shield, the I think what you're supposed to do is stay a distance away so that you're not right there and like potentially spreading something. Mm -hmm. And yesterday, uh, health officials announced a COVID-19 testing strategy for a lot of people who work in schools, I believe the estimate was uh, more than 80,000 individuals. Uh, can you explain that testing strategy to make sure that people that, you know, are becoming frontline workers are being kept safe? Um, yeah, so basically what the state is um, wanting schools to do is have staff uh, tested on a regular basis, although I think it's up to schools to determine exactly how often they um, they decide to test, um, but yeah, so, and I think, um, yeah, that's a big consideration for schools reopening. Some school districts have already actually started their own testing programs or are pursuing their own testing programs where, yeah, they do test at least staff um, regularly, but I think the, um, the other less, the, the more uncertain side of that is like how often will school districts be testing students because that's not, at, that's not, um, I believe that's not required by the state. So, um, but there are some school districts that do believe they need to uh, test students if um, they're not showing any symptoms or if they don't have any, yeah, reason to believe for sure that they have the coronavirus. So um, I know that's something that like San Diego Unified is working on and, um, and other districts are too, but that will take, yeah, like a, a bit more a bit more resources, I believe, since that's a pretty big uh, endeavor to do. Mm -hmm. And we do have one question from Christina Raftis on Facebook. She asks, "How is the airflow in the classroom? Uh, the ventilation science uh, seems to be one way to prevent outbreaks. So, what is Unified doing on that element of preventing an outbreak?" Yeah, so they've. They've said that they will make sure every classroom either has good natural ventilation, so enough windows that could open and bring in um, fresh air, or a MERV 13 filter, air filter, which is considered to be the minimum uh, grade of filter, I guess, to uh, protect against spreading the coronavirus. Or if the classroom doesn't have either of those, then they'll be using portable air cleaners. So. Um, but the, yeah, the district has stressed that they want to make sure ventilation is 
uh, really sound because they um, have been hearing from uh, science and safety experts that ventilation is extremely important and air transmission is really, uh, like getting a handle on air transmission is really key to preventing coronavirus spread in addition to wearing masks, which are considered to be like the most um, the most helpful way to prevent spread. So, mm-hmm. And when do we know when the rest of the student body will be um, returning to Unified? What's the timeline there? That will, uh, we don't know yet. Um, I've heard uh, a, a school board official say potentially November, but um, that, by considering like the, the first phase won't begin until October 13th, the middle of October. Um, we'll see how um, how long, I guess, it takes them to see how well the first phase is going because it'll really depend on how well they think it's going before they ever consider going forward with phase two. So yeah, we'll see. There's but there's as of as of now, there's no uh, there's no date set or anything like that. We'll have to. Mm-hmm. And does Unified have the funds to make this work? Because all of this PPE and everything is expensive. Yeah, so um, I know the district has said that they've spent $45 million on preparing for reopening, and that's the budget they set um, at the beginning of the school year also to um, pay for reopening costs. So, yeah, that's paying for things like PPE, hand sanitizer, um, uh, fixing ventilation in classrooms, um, yeah, all these supplies that they need for, for reopening. So, um, yeah, so, and that's in their, like, and they're getting that money to pay for those things from coronavirus aid that schools were given, um, both by the state and by the federal government. So, um, they will be able to pay for that much, $45 million of supplies. Um, I guess it's not a hundred percent we don't know whether they're going to have to spend more money than that since um, we haven't, you know, progressed more with reopening, but um, we'll also have to see on that. Mm -hmm. And throughout the month of September, we saw increased frustration from parents about, you know, the fact that schools weren't open. How much of an effect do you think that parent input had on Unified's plans or are they, you know, just staying the course and waiting until they had the testing and tracing available to safely reopen? I think for San Diego Unified, they've been really uh, vocal. Um, they've been really vocal about being adamant that they're going to reopen at their own pace, and they're going to um, follow the recommendations that the panel of that a panel of UC San Diego um, experts gave them in August. So they've been pretty, uh, yeah, they've been pretty set on following their own timeline that they think is, is um, that they think is necessarily safe. And they've been um, emphasizing that, you know, we shouldn't focus so much on a, a date so much as when we think we're ready to reopen it when it's safe. So, um, but I mean, it's hard to ignore though, just how much parents are um, kind of, yeah, expressing their struggles and their stresses and just there's a lot that's happening to parents right now and it's a lot for them to handle and um, there's so many parents I hear from who they're, they don't believe their kids are learning anything with Zoom or with distance learning and they really want to go back to in person and they're seeing like their kids being depressed or anxious and just all these 
all these all these um, harms coming to them like from multiple sides of the coin from the academics to the social and emotional so um, yeah it's really yeah it's hard to ignore that part of the whole um, part of the picture because yeah there are a lot there are a lot of kids and parents who really do need to go back to in-person school and I think um, I for other school districts I think they've been more um, vocal about saying yes we know that most of our parents do want to go back to in-person school they told us in these surveys that they want in-person school so we are going to provide that for them as soon as we can and I think those are probably more of the districts that reopened sooner or have set sooner reopening dates so I think yeah so it's kind of yeah just interesting to see you know um who who schools are listening to the most or like what they're said um yeah just how they're going about their decision making mm-hmm. and from speaking to teachers parents administrators how confident are they that this strategy will suppress an outbreak? Uh, do you have a sense of, you know, how hopeful or how worried they are? I don't think, I think a lot of schools and people I've talked to, they won't, none of them are saying that like these things will for sure prevent any outbreak. I think a lot of school officials are expecting that, you know, there's going to be some case showing up somewhere and they're going to have to close a classroom or maybe even a school temporarily if something shows up. And that I, that is one reason why some of these, um, some districts are waiting even longer to reopen because they just want to minimize that possibility of having to reclose uh, close again as much as possible. But, um, but I think for a lot of the schools that have already opened, they're pretty confident that, that they've, they're doing everything they can to be as safe as possible. I mean, nothing is guaranteed with the coronavirus. There's still so much we don't know about it. So all, like what they're saying is all we have to do is just do as much as we can, um, as much as we're able, and then like hope for the best. And then um, a lot of schools are reporting that they haven't had any cases yet, even though they've been open for weeks. So um, yeah, we'll just have to see how that plays out in COVID numbers, um, if we see any big increases in cases among schools. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's worth noting that if there is an outbreak and it's sustained, this could push the entire county into the purple tier and then creating even more COVID restrictions for everybody. So the onus is on schools to do this in the way that not only protects the health and safety of students, but also the economic situation in San Diego County. Yeah, I think they're all pretty aware of that. Like, they don't want to contribute to us falling down a tier. So, um, yeah, that's why they're so adamant about uh, implementing these safety measures. Mm-hmm. All right, Kristen Takeda, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. If you're curious about how Greater San Diego is working toward building a new future after the pandemic and protest, listen to the UT's Luis Cruz on Together San Diego. Join in on conversations with activists, nonprofits, and companies who are finding out ways this moment can change San Diego for the better. Listen in on Facebook. For a guide to all of our live streaming programming, check out the schedule on uniontrib.com. Until next time.